It's not often media outlets announce their hiring in the current climate, but CBC News has started recruiting for 14 new permanent positions focused in small and medium-sized markets like Nanaimo, Cranbrook, Grand Prairie, Kingston, and the North. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we welcome Susan Margetti, General Manager of News, Current Affairs, and Local for CBC, to talk about the public broadcaster's renewed focus on local connection, ongoing criticism about CBC's role, newsroom diversity, and more. Hi everyone, my name is Susan Margetti. I am the general manager of CBC News, Current Affairs and Local. This role that I am presently in was announced two years ago. And right afterward, a global pandemic was declared. So there there are people in CBC News, Current Affairs and Local I have not met yet, but certainly hope one day soon we'll be back to some new kind of normal, uh, and I will be able to travel the country and visit our stations and thank people for the amazing work that they have been doing from coast to coast to coast through what's been an unrelenting couple of years in terms of news. I grew up on Cape Breton Island, moved to Toronto in the early 80s to attend what was at that time called Ryerson. In fact, at that time, it was called Ryerson Polytechnical Institute, and it's since uh, changed twice since then. It was a pleasure to study radio and television arts at Ryerson. And I also worked during that time. I had a few jobs, but one of them was at CFRB in the early 80s. Everything from switchboard to working as an editorial assistant in the newsroom to cutting tape for what was then the Valerie Pringle show. It was an amazing opportunity. And I've never forgotten how kind people were to me, how welcoming they were to me, just a kid from Cape Breton uh, who was studying radio and television arts at Ryerson. And what uh, a chance that was to be exposed uh, to people in the business who were at the top uh, of their careers, just working with the best of the best of the best. Uh, I think at the time their slogan was the people people listen to, and they certainly were at that time. I spent about 10 years in the private sector and loved my time in the private sector. I would end up actually working at a private station in Halifax in uh, the 80s, where I was a reporter uh, and also a host and interviewer of a daily current affairs show. Loved the experience in private radio. Again, you just got to do so many things. It was so exciting and there were some incredible stories to tell. I began my career at CBC in 1988. I left that private station in Halifax and I moved to the CBC in Halifax and was there for a few years before I ended up moving to Winnipeg. Without going through my very long resume, I will just say that living in different parts of the country has been a very rewarding experience that has helped me remember first off that local truly is the lens into what we do and that where you live contributes to your perspective and view on the world whether it's east coast or north or northern ontario or west coast or central 
And, you know, I had a little bit of an epiphany some years back. I was taking an art class at OCAD, Ontario College of Art and Design. And this was a still life class. I'll just tell you very quickly. You'd walk in every night. There was this long table. There was some kind of display set up in the middle of the table. And you would walk into the room and, and you would just begin to paint whatever this display was in the center of the table. And there were people at each end of the table. And there were people on both sides of the table. And largely, it's painting, it was art, you know, they might have been some ambient music, but mostly you worked quietly and on your own. At the end of this one class, the instructor took all of the paintings and went to the back wall and put them all on these shelves, all back to back to back. Uh, Okay, aside from the technical differences, I mean, there were people who were really, really good in this course. It was really quite something to see that where you sat at the table determined what you actually painted. So in this still life display, for example, some of us had as the focal point these oranges in the front. There were other paintings that didn't have the oranges at all because they didn't see the oranges. They were on the other side of the table. On their side, it was a pumpkin. It was a zucchini. Again, this was a still life class. And the point being that we all bring our own perspective. We all bring our own lens. And we all have very different points of view that we bring to that table. And at the time, it was early 2000s, and I was the senior managing director of CDC Toronto in the Ontario region. And we were setting up our programs at CBC Toronto, starting with Metro Morning, to be more relevant and more meaningful to a changing city. And it became really clear that we needed a range of perspectives right at the story meeting table, that it's an ideas business. It's a creative business. And that the city of Toronto had changed so much. In 1961, it was 3% diverse. In 2001, it was 43%. And yet, at that time, when you turned on CBC radio, it did not necessarily look and sound like the city in all its richness and diversity. And we set out to change that. The key was hiring. The key was making sure that the inside looked like the outside and that we had better representation. And that would fundamentally change our offer, not just with the people on the air or the reporters in the field telling the stories from you know, a place of benefiting uh, from lived experience, telling our stories with more sophistication, more nuance, more understanding, more depth. But our content would resonate with more people. And in 2001, Metro Morning, you know, it was like number six. At one point, it was number eight, number nine in the market. By 2003 in what were then the, 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 the BBMs, of course, now we use PPMs, but the show would go to number one for the first time in CBC's history in the city of Toronto. And that really started my study of audiences and relevance. And I think one of the biggest things all of our organizations face today is remaining relevant. If you think about it, the seismic changes, I've been doing this for 40 years now, and the seismic changes we've seen In particular, in the last number of years, Canada is increasingly diverse. Some of the latest numbers also show it is increasingly growing older. People have more choice. They have more choice than 
ever in our history. And some people say that there is a deepening indifference of opinion in this country. Certainly in recent years, we've seen more harassment of journalists and the people on the front lines. The climate is changing. These are huge, huge events. COVID, COVID has changed so many of us and how we think about work and work-life balance, health. And then, of course, there's technology where we are. Radio and TV are still very, very important, but it is increasingly a a streaming and on-demand world. Hiring is not often a word we hear in media in the current climate, but the reason we're talking today is because you've announced a number of new permanent positions. And I want to get deeper into this renewed focus on local connections. A lot of these new hires are based in small and medium markets like Lethbridge, Grand Prairie, Cranbrook, Kingston. Was this based on feedback that you've received during the past couple of years, or how were these bureaus identified for coverage gaps? Yeah, it started with a question of where are we not Uh, where we want to be, where there are more stories to tell. And we have something, these community bureaus or pop-ups, where for the last number of years, we've gone into communities for, you know, days or weeks at a time. And we get to know people and we get to tell more of those stories. And it sort of evolved from that. I have a team, an amazing team of leaders that I work with. And each region is represented by a senior managing director. And each senior managing director made the case for where their region would be strengthened by having increased presence. You know, we looked at that. I mean, you're right. It was two positions in the north, two in BC, two in Alberta, two in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, three in Atlanta, Canada and Quebec. Two of them are are actual journalists and one is a community producer and three in Ontario, two journalists and, and one is a community producer. You know, CBC's always been there locally. Locals lens into everything we do. This was about expanding that footprint and the intent that we've talked about as a leadership team for the last few years now is is to broaden and deepen our journalism. And that starts on the ground locally where you live. And so, you know, you have to be in these communities on the ground to be to be telling more of these stories. I mean, you're right. You, how often do you get a chance to post that you're casting for 14 new positions? It's incredible. That was a great moment uh, to, to, to be able to send that out. And, you know, I, I think of the, the role that the public broadcaster plays even today in, in 2022 is that we're were there. I think of, you know, when the mudslides happened in British Columbia, CBC Radio in British Columbia did a radio special and they connected directly with people in their cars. They got them information that they needed, that they weren't getting anywhere else. That kind of coverage comes from being part of a community and being on the ground locally and knowing what's happening. As a kind of national public broadcaster, you want, also want those stories elevated up through and to the country. And we've seen amazing moments where people have come together from coast to coast to coast to discuss whatever the, the issue. But you have to be on the ground locally to know 
what is happening, what matters most to people, and to truly be there when it counts. Well, that brings me to my next question. If you're aiming to have community connection, is there going to be an effort to hire from within those communities? Absolutely. There absolutely. There's always an effort to start from a place of within those communities and also to give opportunities to our casuals and temporary employees uh, who we've been developing and grooming uh, who work here in a backfill capacity. And so when permanent positions do come up, the intent is to look within the community that we're hiring for to try to match up where possible temporary and casual employees with these opportunities. And uh, we created a microsite actually so that our casual and temporary employees can, can know of just the range and volume of opportunity across the country that they might be interested in. But yes, these 14 new jobs, I mean, there are a couple for the uh, CBC Indigenous, our Indigenous unit, which has people right across this country, but is based in Winnipeg. And they will be hiring for both Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Everyone we hire will be looking for people who can do radio, TV, and digital. It's a multi-platform world. And they will really be casting for deep understanding and lived experience in terms of First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. So it's through that lens that they'll actually be casting. And they'll start in the communities and on the prairies uh, to find that representation and those hires. We saw rounds of layoffs at both the end of 2019 and 2020 due to budget constraints. How are these new positions being funded? Uh, it's a redirection of monies internally. I mean, that's what we're constantly doing is looking at where we have our money and making choices. Some uh, of the money that went toward what we're calling local service expansion, so that that is the... Um, the 14 new positions across the country come from some savings that we made in the last couple of years because there was much less travel. So some of that money is from the travel budget. Some of that money is from other parts of the operational budget uh, that we've moved around and redirected against these priorities. And, you know, again, it's about telling more stories on the ground in those communities and building those relationships on the ground in those communities. And that benefits everyone, not just those communities, but also those regions and and, and also all of us nationally as well, because we get to hear more of the voices and stories from right across this country and right across our platforms. You touched earlier on the role of the public broadcaster. And I I came across a column this week that Pierre Burton wrote about CBC back in 1950 for McLean's, in which he refers to the public broadcaster as public whipping boy number one, talking about, you know, Canadians' love of criticizing the CBC and whether they were getting their $2.50 worth at that time. (laughs) First of all, has much changed? And do you want to talk about... Well, it's $34. (laughs) Yes. Do you want to talk about operating under that ongoing scrutiny and what your thoughts are on the current discourse about the role of CBC? Well, I had a, a, a boss some years back who used to say every Canadian has two jobs. 
what they do for a living, and then programming the CVC. For sure, <laughs> for sure, there are many, many opinions. And, uh, and that's a good thing. You want people interested. Uh, you want them caring. You want them discussing. And, you know, I think that remaining relevant and meaningful and being there when it counts and, and, and covering the stories that need covering is what builds those relationships with Canadians. And Canadians will decide ultimately if they need and want uh, a public broadcaster. It's really their call. We see in countries that have a public broadcaster a, a much stronger democracy. And, you know, I happened to, I made the transition from the private sector, which I loved, uh, to the public broadcaster in the late 80s because there were stories I wanted to tell that I couldn't tell uh, in that private station. And I got an opportunity and support to tell those stories at the public broadcaster. I mean, there is some incredible journalism. I was just reviewing the lists of finalists, nominees for the RTDNA awards from coast to coast to coast. And CBC has over 200 finalists. There's some incredible, impressive work that is happening. And in spite of, you know, uh, people are tired. It's just been an unrelenting uh, couple of years and working at times under very trying circumstances. I think, you know, one of the big concerns of our time is the escalation in the harassment that we're seeing toward our journalists. And it's, of course, it's not just CBC. And we saw that in Ottawa on the streets during the occupation in particular that weekend when police started cracking down and, and escalating their own actions, the swarming of reporters, the spitting on reporters. I was a reporter. I was never swarmed. No one ever spit on me. No one ever swore at me. I, I wasn't treated with great reverence. But, <laughs> but this is a whole different world, isn't it? And, you know, just this morning we were talking about ways to support our journalists because it can be traumatizing and of course there is in person on the ground I mean we've had people pull right off the road and pull into a gas station and surround uh, one of our reporters in a CBC vehicle it's the world we live in today and then on social some of what I've read that's been directed at again not just our reporters and journalists and employees but other media organizations as well. It's just, uh, it's profoundly disturbing. And so, you know, what can we do uh, for our folks? We were just talking this morning about recognizing that truly investing in uh, wellness training, giving people the support they need, because it manifests itself in, in real health ways. When you keep coming under attack when you're out there just trying to do your job and you're coming under attack, it's unacceptable. Well, one of the things I've talked about on this podcast before is the complete abandonment of civil discourse. This, either you're against me or you're for me polarization that has crept into the dialogue 
of all things media. And it's clear there were a lot of Canadians or are a lot of Canadians who have not felt heard or reflected. Can you talk about what it's been like to lead through this period on top of the challenges of the pandemic and navigating some very difficult issues like newsroom diversity? Well, it just reinforces the need for newsroom diversity. It just reinforces the need to make sure that the inside of the public broadcaster looks like the public and that we bring more perspectives and points of view into our coverage and into our discussions. So, so in fact, it actually reinforces that strategic thrust to truly be the public broadcaster. You know, there are many that focus on difference, what separates us. And I've found over many years uh, doing this work in terms of equity, diversity, and inclusion is, sure, you can focus on difference. And yes, there is difference. But there's also what unites us. There's also what connects us. And so in terms of that civil discourse, I've seen these moments where a show like Cross Country Checkup opens its phone lines and brings together, like the phone in 2022, and brings together people with very different points of view who have a very civil exchange and get to share their points of view. And whether you agree or disagree, it helps Canadians better understand the thinking, what is happening, and to make sense of what is happening. But that all starts with, again, who you have at those editorial tables and to make sure, you know, that your storytelling is more, I'm going to say relevant, but to be relevant, you have to be more representative of a wide range of viewpoints. That's why we're trying to be in more communities trying to hire uh, a workforce that truly is Canada today, trying to bring more perspectives um, and lived experience uh, to inform the storytelling. We had this inclusive storytelling expo in the fall, and it really was for people inside the CBC to share with others inside the CBC. About 500 people attended. It was all virtual, of course, but the discussion was around to to share the learnings. What became really clear, whether you were talking about being Black on the prairies or coming here from Jamaica uh, and being asked to cover an Indigenous story and not knowing a lot about that particular community or whether your background was First Nations, Métis, or Inuit, and you were asked to cover another Indigenous community, and you're like, but I don't know anything about that community. What became really clear is that no one knows everything about everything, and that years ago, you know, you had a curiosity, you want to learn more about the world. Today, to really survive and thrive and excel, I think, as as a media organization, it's curiosity about us, about one another. It's learning more it's constant learning. The learning never ends now. You're constantly learning and deepening your understanding of values and beliefs and a wide range of points of view. And that's informed and it's enriched, again, by the people that you have on your team. I wanted to go back 
to the diversity issue because there was very public criticism recently about whether there's been too much focus on diversity because of a Substack post that went viral from a former CBC producer. Can you talk about finding balance in that area? Because there was a very different conversation happening two years ago at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, well, I think the um, the good work of organizations like CHA in trying to measure diversity in newsrooms uh, across the country very clearly indicated that there is sure growth and change, but not enough, and that there's some distance to go. You know, we absolutely do look at all of our programs and try to get a, a measurement on how we're doing in terms of representation. And that has to happen. That's part of evolution and growth and change. I remember years ago when As It Happens was being criticized for having all male guests and they had to start measuring how many female guests they were booking on the show to change the program to make sure that there was more equity and better representation. And that's true today in terms of reflecting the range of voices and perspectives and peoples and events and backgrounds. That's still true. You have to take a snapshot and strive to make sure that you are more authentically and accurately reflecting this country. And going back to the very beginning of this conversation, that's different depending on where you live. Because we're talking about hiring, another talking point during the past few years has been the high percentage of casuals at CBC. And the Canadian Media Guild has long called for movement on this, in part because a lot of casual positions are held by women and underrepresented minorities. Are there plans to make a shift in that practice? Yes, we do have uh, casuals and temporary employees. I was one of them at one time. Some people want to be because you have great flexibility. I remember very well how um, I liked the flexibility too, but you do worry about paying your rent or paying your mortgage. We're going to need casuals and temporary employees for backfill, for specials. So the need for casuals and temporary employees will continue. But we've started something, I mentioned this earlier, called a, a, a microsite for our casual and temporary employees, just so they know some of the other opportunities that are available across the country in CBC. Because it's hard to know that. I mean, you know what's happening in your own community, but you don't necessarily know what's happening at CBC stations in other parts of the country. So that is an attempt to try to link the talent with some of the opportunities that exist. We're always looking at ways and have done so quite successfully at CBC Radio 1 over several years, converting temporary employees who were just constantly backfilling to the point where it was like a full-time job uh, and converting those into full-time jobs. So yes, absolutely. We're, we're always looking at that makeup of our workforce. Um, it is a wonderful opportunity to bring people in 
I think of like, how did you get in the business? When I, I, I started as a casual and temporary employee and learned a, a lot and then ended up in a full-time position. It's still a wonderful opportunity to, because you don't have endless full-time positions open. And it's a wonderful opportunity to get a good sense of the great talent that's out there. And then to be developing that talent and positioning that talent for future positions as they open up. We actually have someone, his name is Tim Richards, and he's in charge of uh, career development. And like his mission is actually to help connect our up and coming journalists with real roles and opportunities. And we have a big career day coming up next week to to help our casuals and temporary employees land, if they wish, a full-time position at CBC and to position for those jobs. Not everybody uh, understands what's needed in terms of a board, a CBC hiring board, uh, or you know what's required to move from job A to job C. And Tim is one of those people who is is working with our casual and temporary workforce to to help position them for the future. So those are just, you know, career day, the microsite, the position of Tim in charge of development of our talent. We're always looking at ways that we can, where it's possible, uh, employ more of our casual and temporary employees in full-time and permanent positions. But there's always going to be a need, too, for casual and temporary employees. Are there any projects in the pipeline coming up that you can talk about, Susan? Well, I was just thinking of the great interview you did recently with Carol Off. Uh, We're working on developing uh, a new project for Carol. There is a lot uh, of work being done around climate change coverage. We're always looking at, I was just thinking this morning about the issues facing Canadians today the economy and cost of living and housing, staying safe, health, you know, all of those big themes are things that we talk about in a larger context and ways that we want to roll some of that coverage out in a coordinated way from coast to coast to coast. The great thing about News Current Affairs and Local is it is local, working hand in glove with national. It is news absolutely but it's also current affairs yep but it's also community connections and and so we have this team that's just inspiring that's really working more together than ever before to to leverage our resources and to leverage our strengths and 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 really put some concentrated effort around some of the big themes we're doing development work with uh with existing shows Right now, as we speak, CBC has number one local morning shows on radio in 22 Canadian cities. Uh, But we're always working with those shows to make sure uh, that they are contemporary and pushing forward. We're having a lot of discussions about streaming and on demand and just how important it is to be on increasingly the platform of people's choice and where people are you know as i said earlier i think radio and tv remain so important in this country but i also see where that audio offer 
And this is how our podcast unit was born a few years ago. Our audio offer, and this is how CBC Listen was born a few years ago, is from that place of, yes, uh, a lot of Canadians listen to traditional radio on a conventional device, but a lot of people are also live streaming and going back and listening on demand to what they're interested in. Uh, listening to podcasts, same in television. Um, you know, we've certainly seen that with the streaming giants and CBC Jam. You can watch what you want when you want it. So always looking at what's possible in terms of that next step and making sure that, you, you know, nobody grows up going, oh, someday when I, when I grow up, I want to be a manager. It's just not possible. Uh, But the reason you step into these jobs is because you hope, working with an amazing group of people, that together you can make a difference and maybe possibly leave the place uh, well-positioned for future success. So a lot of our conversations as a leadership team are around that future positioning piece, working together together making sure that our content is uh, is reaching people where they are, making sure that our content is more relevant and meaningful to a changing Canada, making sure that we are more sophisticated, more nuanced in our storytelling, representing more points of view, that we're fundamentally there when it counts, when news is breaking, And that we also offer what we do for folks to listen to on their own time when they have time. Investigative. We've seen some tremendous results with enterprise original journalism and investigative journalism over this past year. Programs like the Fifth Estate Marketplace have had very, very strong seasons. And that investment continues, again, for a public broadcaster you know, I think helping people understand and make sense of what's happening in their world is especially important, and especially in these times. Is there a thought you'd like to close on, Susan? I think for CBC, it has been in so many ways an essential service. And to continue to be that essential service really is to remain mission-driven. And that mission is one of service. It's one of public value. So, you know, the discussions we have, I think it was Peter Drucker who said the best way to predict the future is to create it. The discussions we have are very much around maintaining that essential service, maintaining and building on that public value piece and doing that in a kind of future state where, as I say, you know, increasingly with so much uh, choice that they choose the public broadcaster for their, their trusted news and information and current affairs programming. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Susan. Oh, my pleasure, Connie. Thank, thank you.
listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.